reading from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. We do hope you can stay after briefly tonight. We're going to get to hear just a little bit from our shepherding team nominees and because of that, we're going to postpone uh, anybody that wants to go to dinner at Marble City. Uh, we're going to do that December 5th instead of tonight. So I hope you can join us there. In 1919 and 1920, a terrible plague ravished the world. World War I had just ground to a bloody end. Revolution was brewing in Russia. And an Irish poet named William Butler Yeats and his wife Georgie were expecting their first child. And they wondered, what kind of world is this little one being born into? Yeats felt that the world was coming undone and that the future was bleak. And he wrote a poem called The Second Coming, to express his uh, hopeless vision of the future. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of spiritus mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it reel shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that 20 centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast its hour come round at last, 
slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. Yeats borrows from biblical imagery and turn it on its head. Christians believe in the second coming and that Jesus will return and set the world to rights and bring in a kingdom of justice and peace. But in this poem, Jesus does not return. Instead, an ancient evil beast rises from the sands of the world's collective conscious to destroy it. I read this week that this is the most frequently cited poem in the 20th century uh, up until 2021. And his, his vision of the center not holding, of things falling apart, of the falcon not being able to find the falconer, seems to resonate with, with many of us. And yet here we are on Christ the King Sunday, remembering and affirming a very different story, a story in which we proclaim that Christ is actually at the very center of the world, and he is actually reconciling all things to himself. Paul affirms this with poetry of his own. We, one of the great poems in the New Testament. We won't look at all of it tonight. It begins with an exploration of Christ's role as creator. Then it talks about how he holds the whole world together. Then he, he moves on to Christ's rule as the head of the church, the source of her life and vision. And tonight we'll just focus on the 20th verse, setting it up. For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of of his cross. So we come together, and this is one of the reasons we worship together. It's one of the reasons why uh, we're here tonight. It's, it's, it's because we live by a different liturgy, a different story, a different narrative, and we are coming here to say we affirm that Yeats is wrong, that Jesus Christ is actually at the center and reconciling all of life to himself. And, and if, you're, if you're thoughtful about it for in a moment, even in a moment, you might just say, you, but look, look around you. How could you possibly affirm this after a year like this one? Well, let's try to break the statement down into two parts. Let's just begin with the phrase, Jesus is reconciling all things to himself. What's that mean? What could that possibly mean? Well, next week we start Advent. The theme this year is a holy longing. And each week we'll look at a different aspect of longing. We're going to look at David's longings and how he expresses them in, in the poetry of the Psalms. Check your newsletter. There'll be a uh, devotional that will come out each Friday that can help you with this. And uh, the first week we're going to talk about longing for hope. How do you move through the suffering of our lives towards hope? 
it has something to do with who or what you believe is at the center of life. Yeats lost hope because like many people at that time, he had come into the dawn of the 20th century with a belief in human progress, a belief in the capacity of science and civilization and education to enlighten us and save us. And this was supposed to be the Christian century. There's even a magazine of that name. And then came Verdun. And then came the plague. And Yates was terrified. The center didn't hold. What's your center? What are you holding on to for hope and meaning and order, peace, democracy, the markets? Job security, your family, your PhD, what's your center? You know, maybe one of the good things that happened for some of us during the pandemic is that we learn that our center doesn't hold. That what we were looking to and holding on to and perhaps even worshiping to give our life meaning and order and peace, it, it just didn't hold. Things fell apart. And, and maybe that actually is good because it reveals that what we're putting our hope in doesn't bring hope at all. The center for Christians is Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus is at the center of life, reconciling the world to himself. The message has a beautiful paraphrase of this. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people, things, animals, atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. What a great, Vision of all things, all the broken parts of life being restored in Christ. He is the center, not a political party, not a country's ability to get masks out and vaccines out, not your 401k. He is the center. Brian Walsh wrote a poem off of this poem. In the face of culture and death, a world of killing fields, a world of the walking dead, 
Christ is the head of the resurrection parade, transforming our tears of betrayal into tears of joy, giving us dancing shoes for the resurrection party. And this Christ who's danced in the dragon's jaws of death now dances with a dance that is full of nothing less than the fullness of God. This is the dance of new creation. This is the dance of life out of death. This dance of all that was broken, all that was estranged, all that was dislocated and disconnected, what once was hurt, what once was friction, is reconciled, comes home, is healed, is made whole. Because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. What part of your life needs to be reconciled tonight, dear friend? It might be something inside you. Begin there. It might be your closest relationships. It might be the way that you relate to your vocation. What part of your life needs reconciling tonight? Well, again, perhaps if during COVID something came undone for you, something fell apart for you, Maybe if tonight you just feel trapped and stuck like something is never going to change, maybe that's a good thing. Because God could be using it to call you back to the center who is Christ. You know, we'll talk next week a little bit about hope Deferred makes the heart sick. Maybe there's just something you've longed for so badly, so desperately, you can just taste it. You ache for it. You dream about it. You want it. Other people get it so easily, but it's withheld from you. Maybe that pain can take us back to that space where we just say, God, this part of me is broken. This part of me is not aligned. My heart is broken. I wanted that so badly, and you said no. Maybe moving back to that place of vulnerability can actually draw us closer to Christ. Well, how about the phrase, making peace by the blood of the cross? This is the heart of Paul's teaching on the cross. Ephesians 1.13, Now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who's made us one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. 2 Corinthians 5.18, all this is from God who through Christ has reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
this isn't just a great world myth. Paul links the reconciliation of the world to a particular historic event, the death of Christ on the cross, that somehow that death sets into motion the parade of the resurrection so that we are not just whistling in the dark. We are looking to the cross. And the biblical writers describe what this means in, in many metaphors. Christ's death is a model of sacrificial love. Christ's death overcomes Satan and his powers. Christ's death atones for our sin. Brian Walsh's poem probes a mystery like this. And it all happens on a cross. It all happens at a state execution where the governor did not commute the sentence. It all happens through blood. Not through a power grab by the sovereign one. It all happens in embraced pain for the sake of others. It all happens on a cross, arms outstretched in an embrace. This tells us something about the posture of reconciliation. And you might think tonight about that place where you need reconciliation, that broken part of yourself, that broken relationship, that broken dream, that broken system that you dread going to work in in the morning. This passage teaches us that the posture that prepares us to participate in reconciliation is humility and sacrifice and self-denial and death. And that is how we participate in the reconciling work of Christ. I've been in a Bible study with, with a bunch of guys every Friday morning for 25 years. And this Friday we were looking at this passage and um, that's when I remembered the Yates poem. We pulled it out. Somebody read it. And one of the, the, the guys in the group is a, is a poet. And I said, you know, I I would love for somebody sometime to write a response to Yeats's poem based on this verse. And I know how to torture English teachers and poets. You say things like that, and you almost dare them to write. And so by 4 o'clock, I had in my inbox a beautiful poem that I want to end with tonight. It's called Response to Yates. The white bird tilts and turns from the heavens towards earth. The tender of the dovecote waits for its coming in peace. So that all and everything will be reconciled as one and as ever. The blood of the cross poured down the saint and the sinner as one. Compassion and divine love manifest. 
Surely our blindness is lifted. Our eyes will see that truth is at hand. We'll come to know we are as one with God. And the dove will come to the tender. And where there is strife and hatred and fear in lands growing barren or overflown, a people turning inward and standing apart, heeding the howl of ignorance and greed, the darkness lifts and light again comes to wash us clean. And then, will you know the circle is formed and it holds? Let's pray. So Christ, our King, we end another year. A year where many of us came apart and things came undone and falcons didn't find falconers. And yet through it all, you have been reconciling the world to yourself. Lord, as we come to the table, I pray you'd bring to mind that one area of our lives where we have no imagination for change. Would you breathe on us now and give us the capacity to imagine what that situation would look like if you were to reconcile. We ask this in your name. Amen.